You know, as we're going through our, our series in the book of First John, so we're going through this, you know, we're going through looking at all the different uh, uh, passages as we go. And, I, and, you know, believe me, this, this is our ninth week. I think we've got one more left. I didn't have any idea when I started this that this was going to be a 10-week series, but there's just so much in the book and so much of it that we're not even covering. We're just hitting some highlights, basic things as we go through. But um, uh, one of the things that, 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 that we're going to talk about today is this whole idea of being born of God, this whole idea of being born of the Spirit or born again, different language for the same, for the same thing. Um, so I wanted to show that because it does such a good job of, of you know, that conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Um, so as we go through this book, we've been talking about there, that there are three main, uh, three main uh, themes. Uh, we've re- read through them each week. Can anybody tell me what one of the main themes is, is in the book of First John? No, not, not the resurrection. That's, good. that's a good guess, because that's, well, that is a theme throughout all the New Testament. Something that we, something that we talk a lot about, about uh, around Christmas time. Incarnation, incarnation, good. Uh, <clears throat> so what, what, uh, what else? What are the others? Something that we say we all must do. Love, the love that we have for our brothers and sisters, okay? And the third one is something that we don't always talk about because we don't like the three-letter word in it. Yeah, that's right. The relationship of, uh, between sin and those who are children of God and, and how we can know that we're really children of God. And in this message today, we're going to hit a couple of these themes. We're going to, you know, hit about, you know, on, on our uh, love for our brothers and sisters, and the incarnation as well is also going to come up uh, as we talk today. So uh, let's go ahead and read our passage. We've been reading the passage each week so that when we, when we finish this series, we will have read through the entire book. It's a short book. We'll have read through the entire book of 1 John. Um, even the parts we didn't necessarily cover, we will at least read through it. And hopefully you're following along at home and reading this and thinking about some of the things that are said and, and maybe asking more questions yourself. That's how we learn the Scripture is we, we look into it and we engage with it. We ask questions about it. We pray about it. <clears throat> so I'm going to start off. We're in chapter 5. Uh, read the first 12 verses. The first section here is what we're going to look at today. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Boy, I need new glasses. That's not in there. I'm just commenting. It doesn't say, Dave, you need new glasses. It should, though. This is, <laughs> this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. 
For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Father, I pray that as we look into this, that you would open up its meaning to us. Lord, we, have, we, we, we come with open hearts, open minds, we, we open ourselves to you and, we, and, and, and our ears to you, and we want to hear what you're speaking to us today. So speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, as we just saw, you know, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, where Jesus tells Nicodemus, very truly I tell you that, unless, that no one can see the Son of God unless they are born again, or some translations say, born from above. Um, and this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that new birth that we experience through our faith in Christ. It's important to understand this because so many people, when they begin following Christ, they think, think of it solely in terms of a decision that they made. And that's a big part of it. I don't want to negate that at all. We all, we make a decision, I am going to follow Jesus. I am going to align myself with his word. I'm going to walk in his ways. I'm putting my faith and my trust. I'm deciding to do that. Um, but in that, that, so that's all a part of it, but it's not the whole picture. It's not all that happens. When we become believers, we actually experience a new birth. We are born again, or as we said, born from above. And when this happens, as the Apostle Paul puts it, he says that we become new creations. We are born into a new life. We have a new identity, and we are born into a new life. So today I want to talk about that new birth from this passage of 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. <clears throat> First, I want to ask, what is it that tells us that someone has experienced a new birth in Christ? What evidence do we, should we see in their life if they've truly been born from above? And the, the first thing that we, uh, that we see is that it has to do with their belief, has to do with, with what they believe. Everyone, verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born again or born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This verse, verse isn't addressing how we experience the new birth. Rather, this verse is telling us how we know we have experienced new birth, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's the evidence of it. The evidence is that we believe in, that we believe that, yeah, that he, he's the one. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the one that was prophesied from long ago. He is the Son of God uh, come in the flesh. I mean, one of the things that we can look to as evidence of the new birth in someone's life is just simply what do they believe about Jesus? 
Because a lot of people believe in a lot of different things. Now, I'm not talking about scrutinizing everything they believe, you know, where, you know, if they're wrong on one point, then, you know, canceled out. You know, we're not talking about that. Not talking about passing an examination on doctrine and all of that. Sometimes people want to do that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, if you don't believe this, then, you know, you're not saved. And, and you know, it's become so cut and dried, black and white, um, uh, just in the last several years in particular. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, um, you know, the fact that, that w- w- the, the very basics of what we believe about Jesus um, um, you know, we're, none of us are going to get it 100% right until we stand before Jesus. You're not, I'm not, anybody, nobody else is. We're not going to get it 100% right on every detail about Jesus. But when we stand before him, then we will know all things. And then we'll find out, did we major on the minors or did we major on the things that really matters? And this is what really matters. Is there a belief at the most basic level that confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah? Same word, one's, you know, one, one's Hebrew, one's Greek. Jesus is the Messiah who was born of God. Do we believe that? Not just intellectual acknowledgement, but acceptance of the truth that results in at least some behavioral change. Does the person believe what the Bible says about the identity of Jesus, that he is God, come in the flesh, the promised Messiah? Acceptance of that truth is evidence that the person has been born into God's family. Now, I don't believe it's my place or anybody else's, for that matter, to judge whether or not someone is a Christian or belongs to God. But, If someone doesn't believe this basic truth about Jesus, then I think it's safe to say they've not experienced a new birth because that's evidence of the new birth. If someone confesses that Jesus is less than the long-awaited Messiah, less than God come in the flesh, less than the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, in other words, less than who the Bible says that he is, then that's evidence they have not experienced being born from above. The second thing that is evident in the life of someone after they experience a new birth, love. Plain and simple, love. If we've been born into God's family and we have his spirit living in us, then doesn't it stand to reason that love, which is a fruit of the Spirit, would overflow in our lives? Let's look at verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. Listen as I read that again, as we talk about love, this evidence. Listen, Listen how I read that again. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. Let's think about that. Normally, I think most of us would say that the fact that we love God's children shows that we love God, right? 
The fact that we love God's children shows that we love... In fact, that's what the previous verse had said. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You know, if you love God, you're going to love his children. But John says here that the fact that we love God shows we love his children. Because if we don't love God, we're not going to love his children. So here it says it one way, and then it says it another way. Remember last week we said that all real love has its origin in God. Real love in its truest and purest form only comes from God. So the fact that we love God's children with this kind of love is evidence that we love God into whose family we were born because that's where it comes from. That's where that love comes from. Genuine love is a product of our relationship to God. And we come into relationship to God through being born from above into his family. So again, it stands to reason that if we belong to God, we're going to love with his kind of love. As in the, and the genuineness of that love results then in the third evidence that we have experienced uh, when we experience the new birth, which is keeping God's commands, or in other words, the big O word, obedience. It's a word that we don't always like to talk about in our culture, in society. We don't always like to talk about obedience unless we're talking about our kids, and then, you know, you must obey, you must do what I say, you know. Um, but, but really, it's such, it's, it's such a wonderful word. I want to read verses 2 again, and this time go into verse 3. This is how we know we love the children of God, by loving God. That's the first part. And then that leads to this, and carrying out his commands. In fact, this, love for God, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. If you haven't marked that in your Bible, you need to mark that in your Bible. His commands are not burdensome. You know why the enemy tries to get you to believe that following God's will is such a heavy burden or it's so hard to do what God says, it's so hard to live for God, and it's so hard to do that? You know why? It's, it's because where there's no obedience, there's no love. He's trying to get us to, to not pay attention to that because if we love, we are going to obey. They're, the two go hand in hand. Obedience is proof that we love God's family and that we love God. Love is evidence that we have been born from above into God's family and that God is our Father. You know, Jesus told a parable of a man one time that had two sons. It's in Matthew 21. You can read it later. But the man said to the first son, Son, I want you to go and work in my vineyard. He said, no, I don't want to. Parents, ever have your kids say that to you? I don't want to do that. I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to, you know. Kids will do that once in a while, sometimes more than that. But then later he changed his mind, and he went, and he worked in the vineyard. And the man said to the second son, Go work in my vineyard. He said, sure, I'll go. But he never went. Then Jesus asked, which one did what his father wanted? And the answer, of course, is the first son. The point of the story is this. It doesn't matter what we say if it's not backed up by what we do. 
In other words, actions speak louder than words. It doesn't matter if we sing songs and we say we love God and, and you know, have all of that right. But if our lives aren't reflecting that in the things we do, at least to some degree, then it negates everything that we say. If someone is truly born from above, it's evidenced by a faith in Jesus, the Son of God, that results in loving God's children, which also shows that we love God, which results in obedience to God's word. Now, don't get discouraged if you look at your life and think, well, I'm not obeying in every way. You know, are you growing in it? That's what we need to look at. Every single one of us, I guarantee you, has areas of our life where not, we're not in full obedience to God. Would you agree with me on that? I'm not the only one, am I? Yeah, okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, otherwise, you'd come up here and I'd be sitting out. So, you know, but, but we, all, we all have those areas that, that we need to grow in. But are we growing in them? Are we walking in, you know, more and more obedience? As we read this book and we see the things in it, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and says, you need to, you know, need to start paying attention to this. Is our response, oh, I got that one down. I'm not going to worry about it, you know. Oh, you know. I, or is it, you're right, God. I've been struggling with that. Would you help me to do better? Obedience is evidence that we are born from above and we are in God's family. And, and, and you know, when someone is truly born from above, there are evidence, it's, as I say, it's evidenced by a, a faith in Jesus, loving God's children, shows that we love God, and we are obeying his word. Those things, that's a pretty good indication that a new birth has taken place. Now, so what difference does it make, does, does this make in our lives that we have been born from above? How does our life look different? How does it change? What is life like or what can it be like? Life with the new birth, for one thing, our new birth enables us to live a life of victory. That's what's available through our new birth, a life of victory. Verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. As faith is evidence that we have been born from above, it is the power through which we overcome the world. The victory which we have, or the victory with which Christ lived his life is now out hours through him. Now, I want you to note, this is not any kind of guarantee that we're not going to have struggles, we're not going to have difficulties, we're not going to have setbacks. It's not that at all. Jesus went through struggles. He even struggled through the pain of going to the cross and, and then eventually experiencing death, but he overcame his struggles. There's no victory without struggle. We don't, over, we don't overcome without something to overcome. Okay, so when we talk about overcoming, we're, we're saying, okay, there are going to be those difficulties. There are going to be those struggles. There are going to be those trials. There are going to be those things that we just keep tripping up over, falling, uh, you know, falling over. 
but we have the ability to keep going and to overcome through them. When Jesus rose from the dead, he proved that there is nothing he can't overcome. And with the new birth, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He can, and he can help us overcome, and he will help us overcome anything we face in life. Anything. Think of something you're struggling with. Think of something you're ready to just give up on. You don't have to give up because the new birth gives us a power and ability to overcome every difficulty in our lives. Several years back, we had a, back when we were in Harmony School, we had a, uh, a guest speaker, a minister come in who, who operates in, um, operated with a prophetic ministry. And, you know, he, he could see things in people's lives. And, he, and, and, you know, he didn't know anybody in the church, but he called, you know, he, he did call someone out. And he, he said to them that, he said, you're in the struggle. You're in a struggle for your life. You're in a struggle for your life, but you're going to win. The enemy's trying to take you out, but you're going to win. And I watched as that person went through a season of difficulty, a season of struggle, a season where they just, they, they, they were literally fighting for their life, so to speak. And after a season of that, and pressing through, and not giving up, and continuing on even when they didn't understand, they came out of it. They overcame. They got victory over their struggles. And really, it was wonderful to see that happen. See, often we think that we can overcome our struggles simply by trying harder. And we think, you know, if I just, if I just keep praying more, if I just try harder, if I just not give up, that eventually something's going to happen and suddenly there's going to be a shift and things will be different. And I don't negate that. Like I said, we need to press into Jesus. It's not just in our own strength. We need to press into Jesus. I, you know, we, we can't negate the, the uh, importance of persevering, pressing into all the things that God has for us. And, and you know, we don't just sit back and say, okay, God, here I am. When you're ready to give me the victory, I'm ready for it, and that's it. No, we keep pushing in, even though sometimes it feels like literally we, we're gone. I mean, literally, we just we can't do it another moment. He gives us that power. He gives us that ability. We do not have it in ourselves, but when we experience a new birth, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. See, that new birth, something shifts. Something takes place inside of us that we can't see it. We can't uh, 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 touch it. But, you know, we, we, but something changes inside of us. And we have a power that we can tap into. 
And that's how we persevere. That's how we press forward. That's how we move ahead, by tapping into the power of God that is in us. You know, Jesus did all the things that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit that, that lived in him. We have that same Holy Spirit that lives in us. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, you're not going to only do these things, you're going to do greater things than I do. Because it's the same Holy Spirit. It's not our strength. It's him. We overcome through his strength. It's made available to us through our relationship to God, which we enter at the time we're born into his family. Our ability to walk in victory comes through our faith, which is ours by means of our new birth, and our confession that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. Living in victory over this world is made possible by experiencing that new birth in Christ, and it's linked to what we really believe about him. Once again there, John, just side note, John is confronting the claims of false teachers who denied that Jesus was God in the flesh. He's confronting those claims here. Without the new birth, there's no victory. You may have temporary successes where things change for a little while or things lighten up, but there's no real victory. See, victory isn't just winning a battle. That's, you know... That's part of it, but it's not just winning a battle. It's when the enemy is defeated and he has no more power over you. Victory in an area, you know, if I've got an addiction, if I've got a habit, if I've got something going on in my life, and, and uh, um, you know, when I get the victory is when it has no more power over me. Not to say that it doesn't try to, but I have the ability, I have the power, I have the authority to say, no, I am not that person anymore. I am not going there anymore. Only happens when we're in relationship with God through Jesus. Now, putting our faith in Jesus means we receive and believe that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he does. New birth also means a life of trust. Verses 10, and 10 to 12, whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe in God has made him out to be a liar because they've not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. Think about that. Next time you want to say, God, I just don't believe you in this. We're calling him a liar. I don't want to do that. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I want you to notice a very... In, in verse 10 at the beginning where it says, whoever believes in the Son of God. I want you to notice that little word in because that little word in makes all the difference in the world. It changes it from believing the things Jesus said to putting our trust in him. I like what William Barclay says about this. He said, there's a wide difference between believing, between believing a man and believing in him. If we believe a man, we do no more than accept whatever statement he may be making at the moment is true. If we believe in a man, we accept the whole man and all that he stands for in complete trust. We would be prepared not only to trust his spoken word, but also to trust ourselves to him. To believe in Jesus Christ 
is not simply to accept what he says as true. It is to commit ourselves into his hand for time and for eternity. Ours is a life of trust. Trust is essential if we are going to step in the next thing, which is when we've been born from above, we live a life of surrender. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and his life is in his Son. To believe in Jesus is to fully trust him. To trust him is to fully surrender to him. And that's actually how we know whether or not we really trust God. The level of our surrender is determined by the level of our trust. If we truly trust God, then there's no reason for us to hold back any part of our lives from him. So I want to wrap this up by asking a question. Is there an area of your life where you are hesitant to turn it over to Jesus? Is there an area of your life that you are hesitant to turn over to Jesus? Could be a situation at work. Could be a relationship. Maybe you're having trouble surrendering your finances to God and trusting Him there. Maybe it's your sexuality. Whatever it is, and it could be any number of things, but whatever it is, you need to hear this. I need to hear it, every one of us. There is no one that you can trust more than Jesus. So let me encourage you. If you haven't already done so, if something came to your mind when I asked that question, an area that you know you're having difficulty trust, turning over to Jesus, let me encourage you right now to just turn it over to him. Think of what you're holding on to that you haven't yet surrendered. Tell him that you want him to take it and surrender it to him. Father, as we think of these areas, these areas that we've, we're hesitant. Lord, we say we trust you, but yet in the back of our minds, in the back of our hearts somewhere, we're fearful that if we really trust, turn this over to you, that somehow it's not going to work out. That somehow, I don't know, Lord, it's just we, we have difficulty sometimes trusting you with every area of our lives. But Lord, that's our desire, is we want to do that. And we thank you for the willingness you've given us, the, the desire to, to turn everything over. Now, Lord, help us to walk it out. So we take this area that came to mind when, when this question was asked. And we hold it in our hands and we bring it to you. We bring it to you. 
from this moment on, we surrender it. You call the shots. You give the instructions. I'm submitting this area to you and asking for you to take over it and help me to leave it in your hands. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. God bless you. Have a great week.